And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that. Hello and welcome to Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it for the third year in a row. I am going to be going game by game through each region, through each bracket, and breaking down the NCAA College Basketball March Madness Tournament Field for you all so we end up with one champion. This is going to be... The only thing we cover on this show, I'm going to try and give you the best analysis, the best idea of who I think is going to win each game, and ultimately who is going to be your national champion at the end of this crazy little thing they call March Madness. We start in the East bracket, and the number one overall seed, Duke Blue Devils, take on a play-in game of North Dakota State. And NCC, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it matters at all who wins that play-in game. I think Duke takes care of business in this one. Yes, last year a 16 seed did upset the number one overall seed, but I just don't think this Duke team is anything like last year's Virginia team. So we move on to the 8 versus 9 matchup in the East region, where you have the VCU Rams against the UCF Knights. For VCU, Marcus Evans hurt his knee in the Atlantic 10 tournament. Um, no structural damage, though, for him. And that's a very good thing for the Rams. Um, he's led the team in steals, assists, and scoring. On the other hand, for UCF, they've only gotten better throughout the year. They beat Houston and Cincinnati during the last week of the regular season. Part of me wants to be selfish and hope that UCF wins, so um, Taco Fall, who's 7-6, a legit 7-6, can maybe get dunked on by Zion Williamson in the second round, but I think the overall better team is VCU, so we move them on to the second round. We now move on to our first 5-12 matchup in the East, and it is the... Liberty, we got Liberty going up against Mississippi State. A big thing that I'm going to stress throughout this entire podcast, and this is the first time I'll mention it, is pace of play. And Liberty is one of the slowest teams in the country, um, pace of play-wise. But they do average 74 points a game. Um, the opponent's points per game, well below that at 60.8. Um, Mississippi State's points per game average 77 I think the winner of this game is all about who's going to be able to control the pace of the game for themselves. And I think Liberty has a much better chance of doing that than Mississippi State does. They Liberty's used to playing slowly. If they can just stay with that game plan and not get sped up by Mississippi State, I like Liberty a lot in this one because on the defensive end, they are extremely talented as well. Moving on to the 4-verse-13 matchup in the East, you have Virginia Tech going up against St. Louis. Virginia Tech gets 
<clears throat> one of their better players back. Excuse me, one of their better players back that they beat Duke without. And I am going to just be honest with you. I like Virginia Tech a lot in this game, so we move Virginia Tech on. Nothing against St. Louis, but just not for me. Then we move to the six versus eleven matchup where Maryland goes up against Belmont, who beat Temple um, about ten minutes ago. As I'm recording this, um, Belmont beat Temple to face Maryland in this first round matchup. Maryland, a lot of youth. Belmont. The complete opposite. Belmont can shoot the ball extremely well. I am going to take Maryland, though, just because I like what they do offensively a little bit more than Belmont. Because if you live by the three, you die by the three. And you can't be hot six games in a row. It's extremely hard to be hot two games in a row. And Belmont was pretty hot against Temple in the play-in game. So I'm going to take Maryland in that one. Moving on. Into a very popular upset pick that I am just not with at all in the East. You have the third-ranked LSU Tigers going up against Yale. I get Will Wade not there for LSU, and it's hard to pick a team without a coach. Totally understand that, but I think talent-wise, LSU is miles ahead of Yale. And what wins games in March? Guard play. LSU has Trey Waters, one of the better Point guards in the SEC and one of the better point guards in the country. For that reason, we move LSU on to the second round. The next game, you have the 7 versus 10 matchup of Louisville versus Minnesota. Huge revenge game for the Patino family and Mott Stockman, who transferred from Louisville to Minnesota. It has been rumored that Rick Patino will not be there. I would love to see him maybe sneak in to do the game with a disguise on something like that I I don't know I just want him there I want him to be rooting his balls off to see Louisville get upset here by Minnesota but unfortunately I think Chris Mack um gets a tournament win in his first year with UofL more than David Padgett could say he did different circumstances I understand I'm going to move Louisville on I think uh Jordan Nora and the rest of the Cardinals are going to come out ready to play after a disappointing uh, last month of the season, I think they kind of hit the reset button and take care of Minnesota in the first round. Closing out the East for the first round, you have Michigan State going up against Bradley. It's March, and Tom Izzo is apparently the best coach in March if you listen to anybody, even though like hasn't done anything that special to me. But Bradley, I don't foresee... I Even though Michigan State did get upset a couple years ago as a two-seed, I believe, but I forget by who, but it did happen, but I don't think Bradley does it this year. I move Michigan State on to the second round. Continuing on, we head out west now where the one-seed Gonzaga Bulldogs take on Fairleigh Dickinson, Dickinson, who won their playing game tonight about two hours ago. Again, it happened last year. It was the first time it happened, but I don't think it happens this year. We move Gonzaga on to the second round. The 8 versus 9 matchup in the West region is going to be one of the sneakily better games, I think, between Syracuse and Baylor. But the only thing I think that helps Baylor extremely a lot in this game is the game takes place on... 
the on Thursday. So it's the first first day of actual tournament play. If you don't count the first four as actual game, whatever. But they have had a couple days to well, more than a couple days since couples two. They've had four days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and game on Thursday to try and come up with an idea for the zone that Baylor runs, for the zone that Syracuse runs, that Baylor has to try and combat. For me, the way Syracuse runs their zone and how good they are at it is going to cause headaches throughout this tournament. And I think, I know that's extremely just cliche because the zone is always thought of the first thing with Bayheim and Syracuse but it's legit and they have a battle on that team as well who can get points for Syracuse in a multitude of ways so I move Syracuse on to the next round and a game that everyone is sort of pegging as the game you need to watch of the first round you have Marquette with Marcus Howard and Ja Morant with Murray State the 5 versus 12 matchup Overall, I think this could be a game where John Morant goes off, but still in a losing effort, maybe lose by like 10 or 12 points. Yes, John Morant is the better NBA player, but Marquette is the better college basketball team. So we move Marquette on to the second round. Moving on to the next game, you have the 4 versus 13 matchup of Florida State versus Vermont. Vermont, led by Anthony Lamb, the American East Player of the Year, averaging 21 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 blocks per game. Florida State is a team full of athletes. Um, Upset Virginia in the ACC tournament. Played Duke extremely well in the ACC championship game in the tournament there. With a bunch of guys back from a Florida State team that made it to the Elite Eight last year, I sort of saw this game as maybe a game Vermont could come out and win, but I think the leadership by those guys that came back propels Florida State into the second round. The next game, we don't have an official matchup yet because this playing game hasn't happened yet, but I need to get the podcast out to you all. But it's a 6 versus 11 seed. You have Buffalo as a 6 seed going up against either Arizona State or St. John's. I am going to take Arizona State in that playing game between St. John's. But I would much rather see St. John's because I like um, Mullins better than I as a coach than anybody else. So, and I like Ponds for St. John's too. But uh, Hurley teams are... I like, like I said, I like Mullins, Brown and I like Bobby Hurley, but I don't think that is going to matter at all. So I'm going to take Arizona State in that game, and then I take Buffalo, who all year um, started off extremely hot and stayed hot the entire year. And I'm going to take them to move past Arizona State. Arizona State, if they are shooting the ball well, can beat a bunch of teams in this but Buffalo, the how tough they play might bother Arizona State, who likes to just shoot the three ball a lot. So that's where I stand on that. Texas Tech and Northern Kentucky is the three versus 14 matchup. Texas Tech, the three. Northern Kentucky, the four. Um, we're just going to move Texas Tech on. I don't think that needs much said. Nevada versus Florida is the seven versus 10. Florida. The way their guards defend, and Nevada is actually a terrible, terrible basketball team. It is astounding to me that they were ranked in the top 10 at all this year. And the fact that they were there for 
an okay duration of time is mind-boggling to me. I moved Florida on because of their guard play and how well and how intense their guard defense is. And Nevada, just not that good of a team. Next, we go to the second seed of Michigan Wolverines going up against Montana. Everybody's down on Michigan, it seems like, but I am not. I'm going to move Michigan on. I get they lose three times to Michigan State this year, and after the Big Ten Championship game, everybody was sort of down on because they lost to them again, but Michigan State's fucking good. Like, I don't I don't know what the problem with that. I understand it's hard to lose to the same team three times in a year, but Michigan still st- extremely good team. They still beat North Carolina, one by 17. They beat Purdue, who's another three seed. They beat Villanova by 27. They beat Maryland twice. Just, Michigan's a good team. And I'm extremely frustrated with people just selling Michigan after the third loss to Michigan State. Continuing on in our first round, we head to the South region, where the one seed Virginia Cavaliers go up against the Gardner-Webb Bulldogs. This Gardner-Webb team is better than the UMBC team that beat Virginia last year. But I think this Virginia team, with what happened last year, is going to come out extremely focused, ready and prepared, and are going to handle Gardner-Webb. So we move Virginia on to the second round. Next, we move on to the 8-verse-9 matchup, and this is the definitive 8-verse-9 matchup. You have Ole Miss, the 8-seed, against Oklahoma, the 9-seed. Oklahoma enters the tournament losing 8 out of their last 12 games, including a bad loss to West Virginia in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. Um, Oklahoma, led by Christian James, has 14 points per game, but offensively, they are not that great. Only averaging 71 points per game. I know that's a lot, but they do not have really that second score. Ole Miss, I think, they're very wishy-washy. They're either extremely on or they're extremely off. I'm going to take Ole Miss, though. I think they're going to be on in this game, and they are going to move on to face Virginia in the second round. In another game that a lot of people are picking the higher seed in, we go to the 5 versus 12 matchup in the South, where the Badgers from Wisconsin are the 5th seed, and the Oregon Ducks are the 12th seed. Oregon coming off winning the Pac-12 championship. They are a extremely trendy pick to upset Wisconsin, but I just don't see it. I think Ethan Happ is too good of a player, averaging 17 points a game, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists for him to allow the Badgers to lose. And Oregon was bad at the start of the year. Wisconsin has been just, like, they've been okay to solid the entire year. I'm going to move Wisconsin on, and I think Ethan Happ has a big game. Next, we have a 4 versus 13 matchup, and you have Kansas State, the 4 seed, going up against the 13 seeded um, UCI, who, yeah, UCI. Cal Irvine, excuse me, I had to figure out what the hell UCI stood for. Um, This is my... First, I guess, a real big upset. I have Cal Irvine moving on, averaging 72 points per game, limiting opponents to 63 points a game. 
Kansas State only putting up 65 points per game. Simple as that. And UCI, UC Irvine won 30 games this year. So we move UC Irvine on over Kansas State in one of my first real big upsets of this bracket. Next game in the South, you have Villanova going up against St. Mary's. My St. Mary's Gales. Gosh, they are going to run into a buzzsaw here against Villanova. I think Villanova is the much, much better team. You have Phil Booth and Eric Pascal Pascal leading Villanova. And if St. Mary's is not hitting their threes, there is not a chance in hell this game is going to be close at all. I think Villanova wins. I think they win by maybe like 12 or 13. God bless St. Mary's, but just not in this game. I think we can solidly move Villanova on. I would love nothing more than to see St. Mary's pull off that upset, but I don't think the way the team is set up going up against a team like Villanova, who is so well coached by Jay Wright and defensively sound and has all the experienced upperclassmen that the upset just doesn't happen here for St. Mary's next in the South region we have Purdue going up against Old Dominion Carson Edwards he's too good and guard play is too important for me not to take Purdue in this game that's simple as that I got nothing more to say on that the next game we have the 7 versus 10 matchup of Cincinnati going up against Iowa Cincinnati upsetting um, <clears throat> Houston in the AAC Conference Tournament Championship game. The uh, Iowa finished the regular season uh, one out of five. They lost to Michigan pretty badly in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten Tournament. The Bearcats, led by John Cumberland, who is responsible for about a fourth of the entire Bearcat points per game, I am going to lean hard into Cincinnati and Nick Cronin and his coaching abilities. What they are, I'm not 100% sure. He's very up and down as a coach. But in this one, I will take Cincinnati. And then the 2 versus 15 matchup in the South is Tennessee versus Colgate. I'm going to move Tennessee on despite Rick Barnes's total lack of just consistency and his ability to be an utter disappointment. I think Tennessee is too talented for them to lose to this 15 seed of Colgate, so we move the volunteers on. Next, we head to our last region for the first round, and it is the Midwest region where North Carolina was given the one seed, and the team they get to face is 16th ranked Iona. I am extremely high on North Carolina, guys. I'm not going to lie to you all, so there was not a chance in hell that I thought Iona was going to get this win. We move North Carolina on after a very cut and dry thing, cut and dry description for this right now. We move North Carolina. Moving on now to the eight versus nine matchup. You have Utah State as the eight seed going up against the ninth ranked Washington Huskies, who for the entire year was the best team in the Pac-12. And defense, I guess you could say, is one thing that plays an extremely important part in March Madness. And Washington has maybe the best individual player as a defender in the country with their their guard Matisse Thibel who three and a half steals per game two almost two and a half blocks per game I know that 
Washington didn't fare well against their real tough opponents, but they played Gonzaga pretty tough, hung in a game with Virginia Tech, got blown out by Auburn, though, um, but they and they lost 2 out of 3 against Oregon. Hang in with me there, but Nevada, uh, Utah State, their best win really was against Nevada and St. Mary's, who I understand they're both in the field, but I think defensive-wise, the edge goes to Washington, so I think the edge for the game goes to Washington, so I think we move Washington on. Next, we go to a 5 versus 12 matchup between Auburn and New Mexico State. Auburn, you will remember in the SEC Championship game, was playing like a freaking brick shit house. Could not miss on fire from every part of the court. I think that translates over New Mexico State, a good team, 30 wins on the year, only 4 losses, played close at Kansas, only lost by 3, but I'm going to take Auburn in this one. I think their hot hand rides a little bit longer and they get a win against a tough, tough, tough New Mexico State team. Next on the docket, we have the fourth-ranked Kansas Jayhawks going up against Northeastern. Northeastern shoot well, 39% on threes, 48% from the field, more than 46% of their shots are three-pointers. Four players have at least 55 threes this season, a lot of experience, But it's Kansas. I get this Kansas team has been down this year. As much as I want Northeastern to win, I have to move Kansas on to the second round to face Auburn. Next, we go to the 6 versus 11 matchup as Iowa State goes up against 11-seater Ohio State. Ohio State could not have been given a worse matchup. Um... In no way as an Ohio State fan am I confident about this at all. Iowa State is an extremely good team. Uh, Shayok, for them, the transfer from Virginia, averaging a shade under 19 points per game. Iowa State, not a crazy good defensive team, but I think that Ohio State lacks playmakers, and I think Caleb Wesson is going to get in foul trouble. And I think Iowa State gets an easy win against Ohio State. Next, we go to Houston against Georgia State. Houston, the three seed. Georgia State, the 14 seed. Houston is a dangerous, dangerous team to me for how intense they play, how well they rebound, even though they have a lack of size. So I move Houston on over Georgia State. This next game is the 7 versus 10 matchup as the 7th ranked. 7th-seeded Wofford goes up against 10th-ranked Seton Hall Pirates. I take Seton Hall. Wofford is sort of America's team. They have a hell of a guy with uh, Fletcher McGee, who is averaging 20 points points per game and 4.6 three-pointers per game. They're coached by Mike Young, who stresses limiting turnovers and does a great job with that. I know every coach sort of stresses limiting turnovers, but with Wofford, it sort of applies. Um, but for Seton Hall, junior guard Miles Powell had a huge conference tournament. He scored 31 against Georgetown, 22 against Marquette, and 25 against Villanova. He led the team in scoring all year with 22 points per game. Um, 
Seattle only has one other player in Miles Kale to average double digits throughout the year, but I think Seton Hall gets the job done and beats Wofford. And then the last matchup of the first round we can talk about is the second-seeded Kentucky Wildcats going up against the Albon, the Abilene Christian Wildcats. Huh, I'll pick the Wildcats in this one. Fine, take a shot every time you hear that dumbass joke. Um, Kentucky wins that one. They're just too good. Simple as that. That's how I'll break that one down for you. The only thing that does concern me about that game, though, is apparently P.J. Washington has been in a walking boot as a precautionary reason. But upon further review, they have done this in the past with players. They did it with someone last year. I know for a fact they did it with De'Aaron Fox two years ago, and he did just fine in almost getting us to the Final Four. So, not too worried, but just something to keep your eye on if you're a Cats back. Your P.J. Washington is in a walking boot, but it is speculatory only for precautionary reasons. We now move into the round of 32, and we move our way back up to the East region, where the second-round matchup we start out with is the first-seeded Duke Blue Devils going up against VCU. VCU likes to pressure the ball, press the entire length of the court. Um, Oh, boy. I'm trying to talk myself into this VCU pick, but I really just can't. Um, Gosh. Yeah, I can't do it. I think Duke, they're just way too talented. Um, Even if Zion's off, his presence will still be felt. They still have R.J. Barrett and Reddish, and so I moved Duke on. Like I, I really tried to talk myself into this VCU upset, but I just couldn't. So Duke, you're on to the Sweet 16. The next game out of the East, you have the 12th ranked Liberty going up against 4th ranked Virginia Tech. I am going to take Virginia Tech in this one. I think that their defensive intensity is going to stifle Liberty and propel the Hokies on to the Sweet 16. Next matchup, you have Maryland going up against LSU, and I think this could be a sneaky, sneaky good game for the round of 32. Oh, yeah. I I like that Maryland has some size down low that LSU doesn't really have. But the guard play for LSU is what I think gets them to the Sweet 16. And I move Maryland without a head coach. I'll put without a head coach. And LSU's been a consistently lucky team the entire year. So look for them to maybe get a bounce to go their way here too in this game. And move LSU on. The next game you have LSU going... No, excuse me. You have Louisville, the seventh seed, going to get up against Michigan State, the two-seed. Um, LS, why do I want to keep saying LSU? Louisville already previously this year, early on in the year, beat Michigan State. It was at Louisville, but I think if we see how both these teams have grown over the entire year, it certainly favors Michigan State. And Cassius Winston is a freaking baller. 
and I think it's going to cause Louisville enough problems to where Michigan State gets the win. Next, we move out west for the 1 versus 8 matchup of Gonzaga versus Syracuse. And I'll say it right now, the zone is not going to cause Gonzaga that much trouble because they have Rui Achamori. However you say his name, I apologize if I fucked that up. But he is the perfect guy to put in that space right at the top of the key and facilitate offense for Gonzaga because he can pass the ball well for a big man. He's a big man, so he can see over the top of the zone. He can put the ball on the floor. I think Gonzaga takes this in a very good, close game, but Gonzaga pulls away at the end and wins. Next in the West, we have the 5 versus 4 matchup. Marquette going up against Florida State. I like Florida State because of their veteran experience, a team that went to the lead eight last year, and their athleticism is off the fucking charts. Next, we have the six versus three matchup of Buffalo being the six seed and Texas Tech being the three seed. The Bulls' 30 wins are the most by a mid American conference team. Um, they play at a very aggressive style. Um, Senior guard C.J. Massenburg, 18 points a game, 6 rebounds a game, and 3 assists per game leads the way for them. Um, Jarrett Culver for Texas Tech, 18.5 points per game. He's a lottery pick. Mm, as I really like Texas Tech, but I like Buffalo more in this. I think that's a big upset that you can link to. And ride high on that i'm going to take buffalo over texas tech in this one and then to close out the west region for this round of 32 you have the second ranked florida gators going up against the second ranked michigan wolverines again i'm tired of hearing everybody dog fucking michigan they're not that bad they had three bad games against michigan state that's it if you want to say they're trending fucking downward because they lost to michigan state in the championship game of the big 10 tournament and because michigan state's a good team grow the fuck up that's not the right opinion to have. I'll come out and say that Michigan beats Florida in the second round to advance to the Sweet 16 to take on Buffalo. Next, we move to the South region. And the first game in that is the first seeded Virginia Cavaliers going up against Old Miss. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy, and the rest of the players for Virginia are going to handily beat Ole Miss in the round of 32 and move on to the Sweet 16. Next, we go to the 5 versus 13 matchup of Wisconsin against UC Irvine. I'm going to take UC Irvine in this, and I think that this is going to be an extremely slow pace game. Both these teams are totally fine with bleeding the shot clock out. Um, I think UC Irvine defensively finds a way to stifle Ethan Happ and frustrate him and force him to try and do things like shoot mid-range jumpers and longer shots that he's just not good at and frustrate him enough. And the rest of the players from Wisconsin don't show up. And I think UC Irvine gets a major, major, major upset, moving them on to the Sweet 16. Next, you have Villanova, the six seed, going again up against Purdue, who is third. Carson Edwards again, the story for Purdue here, 23 points per game. I'm going to take Villanova in this. I just think Jay Wright has that team. I understand that struggled earlier in the year, but they win the Big East tournament. Um, They have key players back. I'm going to take Villanova. 
Then we go to the 7 versus 2 matchup of Cincinnati versus Tennessee. And this is going to be an extremely close game. But I think Tennessee with Williams, Schofield, and Bone have too much offensive firepower and big name, big pl- time players that they beat t- uh, Cincinnati. Does Tennessee and moves on to the Sweet 16. Next, we go to the Midwest region where North Carolina, the one seed, takes on Washington, the nine seed. I moved North Carolina on because of Luke May and Kobe White. Kobe White has progressively gotten better this entire year. He's not playing like a freshman anymore. If he can find a way to dictate the pace of play in this, Washington is going to get run out of the gym, and North Carolina is going to cruise to the Sweet 16. The next game, which is a 5 versus 4 matchup. Auburn being the 5 seed, Kansas being the 4 is going to be one of the better games from the first weekend and I'm going to take Auburn. I think they continue to shoot the ball well and beat Kansas who has struggled offensively um, throughout the entire year. Next we go to Houston, the 3 seed against Iowa State the 6. I'm going to take Iowa State over Houston. Iowa State size is going to cause enough problems against Houston and Houston will not be able to rebound the ball as well as they normally do. And Shayok for Iowa State will have a big game and that will repel Iowa State over Houston. The next game The last game of the round of 32 is a game that concerns me as a Kentucky fan because it already happened, and Kentucky already lost. Um, Seton Hall, the 10 seed, faces the 2 seed Kentucky. I think it's a totally different game. I think P.J. Washington is a totally different player this time around. The Kentucky team knows themselves a lot better now, and I think Kentucky wins. Still a close, hard-fought game. But I do think Kentucky beats Seton Hall in the round of 32 to move on to the Sweet 16. We work our way back up to the top of the bracket now for the Sweet 16 in the East, where the one-seed Duke Blue Devils go up against the four-seed Virginia Tech Hokies. This game has already happened. Duke won the majority of the games against Virginia Tech this year. Virginia Tech did win, but one game. It was without Zion Williamson, though, for Duke, and I think that makes the entire difference. And I think Duke does end up beating Virginia Tech to get a spot in the Elite Eight. Um, I do know that they Virginia Tech did beat Duke without um, Robinson, for them, who is their one of their better players, but I do not think that if you add Zion and him back into the equation, they can't throw each other out. Zion impacts the game in so many more ways than the other guy for Virginia Tech that we have to just automatically go with Duke. Then the other game in the East in the Sweet 16, you have LSU, the three seed, going up against Michigan State, the two seed. This is where the lack of coaching matters. And this is where LSU loses. I think this is a total Tom Izzo. I am the supposed king of March. He can show it and maybe actually earn that title here and handle LSU pretty comfortably with Cassius Winston and a great game plan up against a quote-unquote coachless LSU team, which sets up an Elite Eight matchup of Duke versus Michigan State. Moving out west, we have the one-seed Gonzaga Bulldogs against Florida State. 
Gonzaga is going to shoot the ball too well, and Achimura is going to be too much of a problem, and Killian Tilly is going to be a force for Gonzaga in this game, and they are going to beat Florida State. Next, we have the 6 versus 2 matchup of the 6th-ranked Buffalo Bulls going up against Michigan Wolverines in the 2-seed, and the magical run for Buffalo continues. They are going to play with too much aggression, and crash the boards and cause too many problems and get players like Charles Matthews, Livers, and the big men for Michigan into a little bit of foul trouble, and Buffalo is going to move on to the Elite Eight. In the South, we have Virginia against UC Irvine, and this is where UC Irvine's run ends. I think Virginia just comes out and shows they are the much better team and dominates that game comfortably. Next, we have Villanova going up against Tennessee. I'm going to take Villanova in this one. Um, Rick Barnes is always due for a letdown sometime, so why not be against the defending national champions and Jay Wright, who is a better coach than Rick Barnes. Tennessee, a more talented team, um, but I think just coaching-wise, Jay Wright's better. And defensive-wise, Villanova is a much better team than Tennessee. And Villanova has a chance to get hot. And it was shown that Tennessee against a hot team just has no chance like they did against Auburn in the SEC Championship game. So I take Villanova over Tennessee. Next, in the Midwest for the Sweet 16, you have North Carolina, the one seed, going up against Auburn. Again, super high on North Carolina. They're going to find a way to which. I don't know if this helps them completely, but play the pace of play they like and play up-tempo and fast. And if shots are falling for Auburn, they North Carolina may need to change up and slow down because if Auburn's hot and they can get a lot of shots up, that is not good because they're going to be able to put up a lot of points. But I think Luke May has a big game in that game um, along with uh, Jackson as well for North Carolina, and they get it done against Auburn and move on to the Elite Eight. Iowa State versus Kentucky. I think Kentucky's big men bother Iowa State here in this one, and I think Kentucky moves on. Also, I think Tyler Hero is going to have a big game in this one, and Keldon Johnson is going to probably be faced with the task of shutting down or at least slowing down Treyoc, and I think he'll be able to frustrate him enough and confuse him enough and slow him down. So we now look at the Elite Eight. We have in the East a 1 versus 2 seed, the West a 1 versus 6, the South a 1 versus 6, and the Midwest a 1 versus 6. Okay, here we go. The Elite Eight, we start in the East. Playing for a chance to get to the Final Four, we have Duke going up against Michigan State. Michigan State is going to have to play the perfect game and hope to God that Duke doesn't play a extremely good game. This would be, I know I said the last round well, um, for Michigan State being LSU was like the whole I could be the king of March thing for Izzo. This would be I'm the king of March. This is my buggy month. We should just rename it Is Arch for Izzo. Izzo, I don't know. Something like that. Um, but he goes up against Coach K, who is an amazing coach as well. Oof. Yeah. I have Duke winning this and moving on past Michigan State in what, if this game does end up happening, will be the game of the tournament. Mark my words right there. 
Next, we move out west to Gonzaga against Buffalo. Gonzaga wins this game because their defense on the year, only allowing their opponents 65 points a game. Uh, again, Rui Achimura, 20 points a game. Brandon Clark has played extremely well. Zach Norvell for Gonzaga as well. Both average more than 15 points a game. Buffalo runs into a buzzsaw here and loses to Gonzaga. In the south, we have Virginia up against Villanova. And I cannot believe I'm saying this. I think it's this Virginia team is actually different. Um, they are going to be able to control the pace of play against Villanova. And Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy, extremely good shooters, are going to be able to hit down shots and beat Villanova and send Jay Wright and the defending national champions home. This next game in the Midwest, I'm going to catch a lot of shit for it, but I'm just being impartial and honest. North Carolina, the one seed going up against the two seed Kentucky Wildcats. I have North Carolina winning. It's hard to beat the same team twice. Both these teams have grown leaps and bounds from when they played in December in the champions in the uh, CBS Classic in Chicago, and that was a great game. Um, that was sort of Ashton Hagen's like coming out party on the defensive end, and Kobe White had he really frustrated Ashton Hagen's really frustrated Kobe White in that game, but Kobe White has only gotten better. Um, I could see Nasir Little being an extremely important piece for this game because he's sort of underperformed this year, only averaging nine points a game, but is still thought of as one of the better prospects for the NBA. Um, after this year in this draft class, I think he could have a big game and help propel North Carolina to a win against Kentucky. Again, I want Kentucky to win. I want Kentucky to win at all. But if I'm going to be extremely impartial, I like North Carolina because of the development of Kobe White, and it's hard to beat a team that you own you that are not in your conference. It's hard to beat a team twice in the same year so for that reason i move north carolina on which sets up with a final four of duke against gonzaga and virginia against north carolina three acc teams um i know these are all number one seeds and that's probably not going to happen but that is just what i think is going to happen because i think the top eight teams the four number ones and the four number twos are head and shoulders head just so much better and have such a big gap between them and the rest of this field that if there was going to be a year where it was just chalk, this would be the year. Now we move on to our final four, which is Duke against Gonzaga. And this goes against everything I just said about it being hard to beat the same team, not in your conference, twice in the same year. Gonzaga did it in the Maui Invitational Championship game. They beat Duke back when that team was still sort of figuring out how to gel those three guys of Reddish, R.J. Barrett, and Zion. But Gonzaga was out killing Tilly, who arguably their best player. And I think the guard play and the depth of Gonzaga is what is going to propel them past Duke in the Final Four onto the championship game. Now we move on to Virginia against North Carolina. North Carolina has not been able to get over the Virginia hump here in the past couple years, but I think this is the year they do it, and I think North Carolina 
handles Virginia in a very, very good game. And it is two completely contrasting styles. North Carolina run as fast as they can. Virginia slow pace everything. It's a lot harder to slow the. It's a lot easier, excuse me, to slow the game down than it is to speed it up. But I think North Carolina is going to find a way to do it. Roy's going to find a way to speed the game up. North Carolina is going to be hitting shots and is going to propel them to the national championship game where they are going to go up against Gonzaga. Now we talk national championship. You have Gonzaga, a one seed, going up against North Carolina, the one seed. Gonzaga out of the West, North Carolina out of the Midwest. Um, Gonzaga has a top 15 defense loaded with experience, a lot of size and talent, all over the roster. Again, Rui Achimura, 20 points a game. Brandon Clark and Zach Norvell, both averaging over 15 points a game. The Tar Heels, though, end of the year, 15, winning 15 out of their last 17 games. The only two games they lost was a combined nine points against Virginia and Duke. Luke May on the offensive glass, defensive glass, Jackson as well, Nasir Little, a lot of potential, Kobe White controlling the offense. This is going to be a hell of a game. I hate Gonzaga. I'm starting to come around on North Carolina. From a fan perspective, I really, if this was the case, I would be rooting my dick off for North Carolina. Rooting extremely hard for the Tar Heels. At the end of the day, though, It's not about who I want to win. It's about who I think is going to win. And if that is the case, I have to go with Gonzaga because of the depth, coaching, and I think Rui Achimura poses a big problem because he's too fast for Luke May to guard and he's too physical for Jackson to guard down low. And that is the key in this game, if it were to happen, how well Rui Achimura plays and handles the two different defenders they're going to throw at him, Luke May and Jackson. And I think he's the type of player that can handle both of them, expose the defensive weakness in both of them, exploit his size and exploit his speed. No matter who they put on him between those two, if they were to put them on him, I could see them maybe putting us here a little on him as well. And he might be... A good combination of both, of speed and size to slow him down a little bit. But I think the maturity level and him being a junior and being consistent throughout the entire year is what would help him win that matchup and ultimately lead Gonzaga to the win. So I can't believe I'm fucking doing this. St. Mary's biggest rival. St. Mary's my third favorite team behind the Buckeyes and the Cats. And I can't believe the freaking didn't even win the conference. But the Gonzaga Bulldogs are your 2018-2019 NCAA college basketball champions, according to Carson Sack Podcast. Thank you all for listening and joining me on this year's edition of March Madness on Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. I'll be back, not maybe not this week, but at least the week after that, because we have to talk NBA playoffs, and we have to talk about WrestleMania, which is in two weeks. And I'm giving you a full match card breakdown of that and I can't wait to do that for you all. I'm fucking done with this. Gonzaga is your national champion. All the world is coming to I am beside myself here. So Mark Few fucking 
dickhead. Oh my, can't believe I did this. But as we always end here on Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls, we will fucking Gonzaga. Are you serious? We will be seeing. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's